I think with the Chiefs, they're a very good football team. There's no doubt about it. But if you watch their games offensively, they play loose with the ball. The ball's on the ground, right? It's just loose. The quarterback, I mean, he's unbelievable. But there's throws that he makes sometimes, and when he runs with the ball in his hand, they're just loose with the ball. And when you play a team that can match you offensively, you can't turn the ball over. That's a problem. Let's go! The Football Frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. The Football Frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Herm Edwards on uh, Bengals and Chiefs. Chiefs fall yesterday around the NFL. We'll get to more of what happened in the National Football League in just a little bit. Twin Peaks, Adam Hill is here. Twin Peaks on Eastern. Big beers under four bucks. Select appetizers, two, four, and six dollars. Get in the back. Uh, coaching carousel is spinning. We'll get to Dion in about 30 minutes going to Colorado. Cincinnati has made a decision a little quicker than... UNLV, right? This was pretty rapid. Actually, no. It was, it was about the same timetable. But uh, anyway, they uh, they grabbed Louisville's Scott Satterfield, who when I first saw that Louisville had an opening, I was like, oh, they got rid of Scott Satterfield. Wow, okay. <laughs> he was 25 and 24, and that's who Cincinnati grabbed. And I'm not, I'm not banging on it because uh, I don't know enough about Satterfield to say, hey, it's a good or a bad hire. Um, but I did see a lot of big names bounce around. The Cincinnati job, and it's pretty typical, isn't it, that when all these big names come out, oftentimes, and I was just talking about it half an hour ago about rumor mills with you know Unilvi and others, a lot of times names are just thrown out there, and they're not, it's not sourced, or you know if it is, it's from the coach's side or the agent side, right? So don't believe everything you see you, you see reported in terms of the the biggest name targets. I saw who who the hell put it out? Uh, oh, McMurphy, I think, put out a sarcastic tweet earlier that North Texas. You know, it was looking for, at these coaches, and it was like, you know, it was nuts. It was Urban Meyer, number one, and every big name you could find. Well, there's also, I mean, sometimes you talk about agents and coaches putting things out. Sometimes sometimes schools put things out, too. And, and I don't just mean colleges. I mean, NFL, yeah. NBA, those those sides do, too. They, they float out names, um, A, to tell their candidates, hey, there's there's competition. Like, you know, don't, don't, don't mess around in negotiations here because there's competition. And, B, to gauge... What's going to be the reaction of the of the paying customer? Are they going to like this? Hate it? Are they going to get excited? Are they going to line up to buy season tickets, or you know, or how are they going to respond when this is done? So names get f***ed by both sides for those reasons. Why is the story extra juicy? Dion Branch will take over as the interim at Louisville to play against Cincinnati. Yeah, who just hired their coach? So Satterfield gets fired away or hired away. From Louisville to Cincinnati, Cincinnati playing Louisville in the bowl game. Uh, that should add some interest. And I believe, if I'm not wrong, since they're playing in the Fenway Bowl, I think they share a sideline. I think the Fenway Bowl, because of the way it's constructed, like you can only have people on. So I think it's like it's a shared sideline in that game. I would assume uh, for hardcore football people that Louisville would make a run again at Jeff Brom, who played there. He's at Purdue. He's turned him down before. That was one of the, uh, well, very uh, erroneous reports that uh, budding star at the time, Dan Dockich, made as a media guy, and he's kind of been just pushed off the radar recently. But uh, I know he got a got a, he got a lot of guff in in Indiana, you know, for saying that Brown was gone while he was still staying at Purdue. Maybe he goes this time. You might. I mean, the the, the math has changed a little bit. It's going to be a little bit even more difficult to win. Uh, at Purdue, I would imagine. I I'm, I don't know what they're going to do division-wise there. 
but whatever. Well, whatever they do to get away from this nonsense now will be glorious. Not for the West, but for the rest of the East. Thank you, because it's freaking maddening having to play. If you're in the East, having to play the the gauntlet, while the West generally is an eight win team. Sure, but or, now, or if Iowa has some magical season on sure. defense. But if you stay in the West, you're going to play USC and UCLA. There's not going to be a West. Well, I guess there there, there could be a West, but. I don't think there's gonna be. I don't think there's gonna be East West. I thought they had confirmed already. They're getting rid of the divisions, and then it's just the two best teams, and there's no divisions. Okay. So they'll probably mix it up where you're not. You're right. I get what you're getting at. That if you're in the West, all of a sudden you're gonna have all this back and forth trips to L.A. Or, or if you if or, you're, or these weird like or, or for Olympic sports these weird you know regional meetups where a bunch of team bunch of schools are playing. Or if Purdue and Indiana move to the East, now they got Michigan and Ohio State. Yeah, believe me, they don't want that. No. That's a living hell. No. Either way, it's not and it, good. And it's bad for the Big Ten because if Michigan and Ohio State are the two best teams each year, they should be able to play each other in the Big Ten title game like they should have this year. If they're the two best teams, which I think they are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now. That could have been USC, Michigan. Okay. It I mean, could have been. What, what, who the two best teams are. Well, I'm just talk- I was talking about this year. This, yeah. this, I'm, I'm saying, as the Big Ten exists right now. Yeah, and and Michigan and Ohio State had the two best records. It wasn't even. It's not like we're just declaring them they're the best teams. They had the best records also. All right, what is barbecue chicken gate? What happened here? <laughs> so Keenan Allen was talking to an LA Times reporter on Thursday. The reporter asked about the rate at which the Raiders play man coverage, which is very high. And Keenan Allen said they better not do that Sunday. And the reporter said, why? And he said, barbecue chicken. And he said, what does that mean? Keenan Allen's response is, they're dead. So essentially he's going to cook them up, fry them, because they're barbecue chicken and that's all they are. Now, I asked Josh McDaniels about that Friday, and he acknowledged that it was a comment that had been heard. And he said, you know, we're, we think Keenan Allen's a great player. Respect him. Not going to comment on those things directly. Uh, I asked several players. Several said they heard it, but weren't concerned about it. Uh, one player pretended that he didn't hear it. He was like, I hadn't even heard that. What, what, what was it? Trying to pretend. Uh, I think they had actually been told, hey, if any reporters ask you about this, no comment. But there was, it was no. So yesterday, uh, I went to about four different players in the defensive backfield after the game. And they wouldn't even let me finish the question. I just said, hey, Keenan Allen had some things to say. And, and before I even finish, Nate Hobbs for one said, barbecue chicken. Barbecue chicken. And I said, well, what, what, what do you have to say about that now? And he said, don't have to. Which, Keenan Allen actually had a good game. But it took 14 targets to get him six catches. Uh, it was not quite the level of what he said. And obviously they didn't win. So that was big. Uh, he wasn't players, he though. wasn't open very often, and, yeah. and a lot of it was because there was no time to throw. But he, yeah. I, that's that. I, I think that was. I know Chandler Jones got the headlines, and the offensive got the, the offense got the headlines. I thought there were a lot of cases where Herbert dropped back and actually did have some time, and they turned into covered sacks. Like there, like there was no one open. Yeah, and I, I also I thought one of my favorite reactions yesterday was actually Josh Jacobs. Uh, because a lot of people I know have seen the video now because it, it really blew up on social media. Uh, but I asked him how close he was to not being able to play. You know, he was questionable all week. He had the calf. He worked out before the game, made sure he was okay. And 
he started to answer me, and he said there was no way I wasn't going to play today, especially after. And then he stopped, and he said, "I'm not going to say it." And then some somebody followed up. Come on, and he goes, he just said, "Barbecue chicken." <laughs> so it it didn't just motivate the defensive backs; it it got around everybody, and and everybody had heard what he said. <laughs> Chips and queso or mozzarella bites for just four bucks. Five dollar modelos and plenty of other great food and drink specials. Twin Peaks in Henderson is your spot for Monday Night Football with Cofield and Company. No gain on first down. It's second and ten for Carr out of the shotgun. Snap. Chargers bring a blitz. He settles off his back foot. Lobs far sideline. Morrow in strike at the 50. Reaches out, makes the grab, and he's brought down by Tranquil on the Chargers 47. That was a beautiful streaking pass on the far sideline. Live inside Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. All right, rolling on. Raiders getting the job done yesterday. We got a season here. We got a season here. Five and seven. Lincoln Kennedy, of course, uh, calls the games and is a, a frequent guest all over the Lotus broadcast platform and gives Adam Hill and Steve Cofield a couple of minutes. Lincoln, how are you? Wonderful. How are you? Awesome. Awesome. You know, as a sports talk guy, I want to talk about a team that you know, has a fighting chance, so this has kind of saved it for us. We're not the most important thing in this whole deal, but, you know, the players have uh, gutted it out here, and they seem to be back on track in, you know, in a lot of ways, and yesterday was a really good performance. Yeah, it really was. I mean, it was a gutsy performance, and it was one of the performances that, that you know, we had seen – well, I would say we we saw spots the, the spots of it throughout the season, uh, parts of it, and just lack consistency. I mean, the Raiders have lost so many games, you know, one, I think six games by one possession. So uh, it, it was a complete game, probably the most complete game they had on all phases uh, all season. What has been the most uh, impressive thing to you about the development of the offensive line and where they are now compared to where they were at the beginning of the season? Well, I've always believed that the longer an offensive line plays together, the better off they'll be. So it just needed time. So once, once you know, for, one, for what we've seen so far in the last three games, once things have kind of settled down and they've got pretty much the, the same consistent players out there, they've been able to play better. They've, they've done better with their communication. And more importantly, the development of the offensive line is, has the success has really added to the development because it's easier to coach off of wins and success than it is off of losses. So... You know, being having a consistent line, the same line in there, playing the same time. Um, you know, you throw in Thayer Munford every now and then, just as a change up. And you know, he's been the extra tight end, has really allowed these guys to play a lot better, a lot more of a unit as a unit. Another question I wanted to ask you about the offense is: when you have guys like Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams, especially playing at the way they they are right now, for you as an analyst, how tough is it to find the words every week to describe how great they are, time and time again? <laughs> well, you know, the thing is is that Jacobs has been playing hard since the beginning of the season. Yeah. We saw him in the preseason game and, you know, in the Hall of Fame game. You know, and people were asking, you know, why do you have Jacobs out there? Well, the kid loved to play. You know, I've had a chance to speak with him a couple times. He loved the Raiders. He loves being a Raider. And um, he really enjoys playing. He wants to be that back for the Raiders. So, you know, when, when, when the Raiders drafted, you know, uh, Zamir White from uh, Georgia – there were some there was there was some question of whether or not Jacobs had a future with the team, and you know I think that's kind of been answered. I, I think he, he deserves to be paid uh, as hard as he's been running and as consistent as he's been as a player. Even his development, you know, he wasn't a good uh, pass receiver 
when he came out of a, a college, Alabama, they didn't do a lot of throwing to the back. He had to develop that. He's become better at that since then. So, and the downhill receiver, I mean, the downhill back that, you know, really prefers to go out of eye formation or, you know, strong tailback, that position, and he's done well. He deserves to be paid. Yeah, be careful on those. Uh, wasn't a great receiver out of college. He got on me for that last week. Uh, when I asked him about his development as a receiver, he said, just because you didn't see me do it doesn't mean I couldn't do it. And I thought that was a great answer. Well, it, it's true. But at the same point, there were times that he, he what held him back in his first couple of years or when Gruden was there and took him out is because he had not developed those routes, the, the specific, specific being able to run those specific routes that they have to do at tailback. Uh, and, and in terms of Devontae, I mean, every week we're just seeing him do special things out there. Yeah, you're right about that. I, I, there's no shortage of amazement when it comes to, to Adams. I mean, he's big, strong, physical, and, you know, the, the catches that he had, even the one that was incomplete yesterday, uh, really, you know, sets him apart. He's he's a true a true find, and I was glad the Raiders were able to get him. When you watch the, the Chargers defense, I mean, it ain't working, and uh, the Raiders took advantage of it. What is it? Is it scheme? Is it talent now because they're beat up, or is it coaching? Because some of this has to fall on Staley, who's a defensive guy. Well, it's not so much scheme. I, I think that what you have, you know, you're you're let down because you don't have the right personnel to play. The, you know, the, with injuries, you know, they they made they made their 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 bed when they went out and got the, the defensive back who's done for the season, like for drop his name right now. But yeah, Jackson. That's it, Jackson. Um, so you know when you talk about the scheme that they had, they they play a very similar style that Raiders do, and and what's not working for them is they don't have the block eaters up front, and that's something that's hurt the Raiders. Once you get past the line of scrimmage, if you block that front seven, there's really nothing back there left. You know, you know James is a good safety, but if he has to play deep to help protect against the pass, you're vulnerable to the run. So, and talking to Lincoln Kennedy, of course, you can hear him on the broadcast of the Raiders games. Uh, here on radio, uh, yesterday it looked like the the right tackle, the poor six round rookie uh, out of uh, uh, for the Chargers, was just completely overmatched by Chandler Jones early in the game, and they tried to single him up. He just couldn't handle him. At some point, like don't they have to help that guy out? Yeah, that's true. They did not, but even the times when they had max protection, they weren't able to get um, they weren't able to get enough time to get their their, their receivers out. Look, the Raiders broke down coverage a couple times covering some people out of the backfield or people that were helping that, there was wide open spaces that the Chargers were able to take advantage of uh, on checkdown routes. But the, the fact that you don't have that overall fear when if Keenan Allen is held up or is covered, you don't have someone else that you can go to. You know, Justin Herbert is a capable quarterback, but there's only so much he can do. And I was glad to see that the Raiders didn't play that soft zone. They played more aggressively than man and, and, and press man to allow their, their rush to get to the quarterback. Right now, this offensive line problems for the Chargers are just too much to overlook. You really can't, don't have much you can do when you're, you have that, that young of an offensive line and that many replacements out there playing. Lincoln Kennedy's up on Cofield and Company. Of course, you can hear uh, the games over on Raider Nation Radio at 920, one of our sister stations in Comp 92.3 uh, for games on these uh, Thursdays and Sundays. We'll get to the Rams here in a second, but uh, Lincoln, I, I wanted to follow up on the defensive line and how it's come together. First off, what did you see? Was there any difference yesterday, aside from the competition, but any difference in what Chandler Jones was doing? Uh, no, 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 nothing different. I mean, he just came alive, and he took advantage of an unexperienced, inexperienced player. You know, the thing is, you're expecting that. You know, we've, we've been talking about I, – I was calling him number 55 
and, and said, well, I refuse to say his name until he does something. Because, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, and so over the past couple of games, and last, you know, last yesterday, I mean, had a, had a coming out party. This is what the Raiders expected to compliment Max Crosby. You're not going to tell me when you watch Max Crosby play, or if, you, if, if I didn't see the game, you can come and tell me that, oh, the Raiders had five sacks, and Max Crosby didn't have one of them. I was like, what? what, what? <laughs> who, who are you talking about? The Raiders? No, but, but it is what it is. So it was a coming out party. Chandler Jones took advantage of a guy that he should take advantage of, and that's what we've expected to do. Defensive line-wise, I think, you know, who doesn't get enough love for the defensive tackles? I think Tillery, the acquisition of Tillery was big for the Raiders. But more importantly, you talk about Nichols and those guys inside. They're playing well. They, they really are. They're playing well. In that style of defense, uh, offensive linemen like me, we call them, they have to be block eaters. And why they're block eaters is they take up the space of the offensive line to allow your linebackers to, to roam free. Denzel Perriman's not a very big guy, so but he, you see the way he shoots gaps and makes tackles uh, on, on the running plays. Luke Masterson, the same thing. Jayon Brown, the same way. It's because they've got the block eaters up front. That's that style of defense that you have to play. Uh, unfortunately, you know, we've seen at times if you get past that you get past that front seven, just like the Chargers, there's no one left. And that happened to them in the Indianapolis game uh, when, when, uh, when uh, the running back broke for the, the six-yard run. What does it say about this uh, defensive coaching staff that they've, you know, they've gotten some good stuff in a you know, part-time role from uh, Cleve Furl and, yeah. you know, Tillery hasn't been around long and he was in there for 55 plays yesterday and was pretty solid. Yeah, well, look, I, I really want to tip my head off to Cleveland Farrell. I mean, being in a position that he has been, he's been kind of overlooked where people have just, you know, wrote him off. But he's played special teams. He's done what he's supposed to do in, you know, in, uh, in spilling and uh, in, in sparing the other guys. Um, so it's been impressive to see him still go out there and give effort. Uh, look, he's, he's a guy that's got some ability. I still think he's more of a defensive tackle than a defensive end. But it's not up to me to coach these guys. Um, but as far as the overall scheme, where Patrick Ryan is trying to do, or Patrick Graham is trying to do, um, is he doesn't have the players that are really conducive to it. Um, they're going to, there's going to be some changes, but you kind of expected that um, I, when they came in. You know, the new coaching staff came in. They didn't have a lot of players on the roster, so they had to make some changes. Uh, and there's still a lot more they have to get development-wise, and even probably in free agency and offseason, maybe even the draft. Before you came on, we were talking a lot about the uh, the trash talk from Keenan Allen before the game and the Raiders players kind of waiting for after the game to answer back. When something like that is said by the opponent, how much is it really used? Like, how much does it really fuel a team going into a game at this level? Well, here's the thing. There's going to be trash talking. And it means, well, these are rivalries. Mainly, you know, a lot of the young guys on the Raiders don't understand it or new guys that might not understand it, but this is a rivalry. So there's going to be trash talking. There's trash talking every game. Uh, the, you know, the fact what whatever Keenan was talking about or whatever he was doing uh, after that touchdown, you know, he was he was trying to quiet the crowd. But that also, also shows how uh, you know, how much these guys put into this rivalry. I mean, look, I talk trash all the time when we were playing against the Chargers. I didn't like the Chargers. Uh, so it, it, it's nothing new, but it's going to happen. The, uh, the fact that this team has won three straight games after starting two and seven, have you seen a big change or are they just learning to finish? A combination of both. There has been changes. There's been adjustments that have been made after halftime, and and you know before then before I think they can go back to Jacksonville because there was no adjustments at the, in Jacksonville. You know, and, and they didn't know how to finish it then. And that was the finishing part. But after Jacksonville game, I saw an effort, especially after halftime. There was a difference. There was a different team. There was a different mode. 
Uh, and I saw it in Denver, and I, I saw it actually the last three games. And I think that's really helped help them to learn how to finish. Uh, we actually uh, were, were having a conversation earlier uh, with Jacoby Ford, who participated in the uh, halftime ceremony yesterday uh, representing Cliff Branch. Right. Can you just kind of tell people what Cliff meant to this organization? Oh. Well, the Raiders are our family. And so that's why you have the phrase, once a Raider, always a Raider. Okay? And, you know, Cliff was one of the originals that, that helped pave the way to the success of this organization. Um, so when you talk about the history of the team, and you talk about the history of the league, you cannot, when you're talking about the Raiders, you cannot not have the conversation about Cliff Branch, what he meant to Raiders, what he did for football. Um, and and the, he was the, the first one that Al referred to is that you can't teach speed. Al Davis, may he rest in peace. So, uh, and of course, Mark Davis and Cliff had a wonderful friendship. They were roommates. Mark represented, he was an agent, you know, all that stuff, the stories that go on and on. But, um, you know, Cliff meant everything to this organization because he was a true champion. And that was synonymous throughout his entire life. He was a part of this organization. Uh, and when it, it was, it was, it's a little bit disappointing that he wasn't alive to see himself going in the Hall of Fame because he deserved it for so many years and been passed over so many years. But they finally got it done, and you finally got it. The ring ceremony was, was very nice, and the, just the celebration of him yesterday was very nice and well put together. Last one, Lincoln. Lincoln Kennedy with uh, Cofield and company. Nice enough to join us here to break down the Raiders game. I also wanted to ask you about the Pac-12 and okay. the introduction of Deion Sanders to the mix at Colorado. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I think it's good for the conference. Um, Deion's going to have his work cut out for him because Colorado is one of those schools that have to find a way to get in line with NIL. That's what college sports has come to, guys. It's basically free agency. And those that choose to ignore it are going to be passed by. Um, and, and, you know, for a while, Colorado was fighting that. Uh, um, but they've got a high personality that will draw attention, and hopefully that helps in recruiting because it's going to be hard to recruit if you don't if you're not you know producing an NIL or you know or, or being a part of participating in NIL or doing it like that because uh, these these kids in, in the recruiting world you hear them they're they're talking about what can you do for me and I've been on campuses guys where I've seen freshmen driving around Mercedes <laughs> that's what we're dealing with these days so you know it, it's 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 starting in high school, the recruiting process, going through college. So Dion's got his work cut out for him, there's no doubt. But I'm glad he's, he's part of the conference. You know, when we heard last week, we were talking to some people who, you know, some media people in Colorado talking about the Buffalo program. More importantly, the school was making it difficult to bring over uh, credits from the other school. I'm like, wait a second. I'm like, you can't win. If you don't have support from the top down, you got no shot to win as a football. I mean, something as simple as that, you don't have that done. I mean, come on. Well, there, there are schools within the conference that don't necessarily, you know, look favorably upon sports. They don't mind it, but they're not going to do where they are. I mean, Stanford, you know, Stanford can't help guys get in, get accepted. They either have the grades to get accepted or they don't. And, then, you know, you have recruiting difficulties like that at various schools. Notre Dame's another one. That's why it's hard for them sometimes to get uh, some kids in. Uh, you've got to ease up on your standards. But at the same point, the, most of these regents and most of these schools hang on to their morals or just because they, they, want to, they want to stay consistent with what they've been or how they've been. Lincoln, you're awesome, man. We appreciate a couple minutes today. Thank you so much. No problem, guys. Enjoy it. Have a good one. Yeah, I could not believe that last week. You guys had on uh, Chad Anders, who does radio up in Denver, and the discussion about credits coming in from another school. Like, okay. I mean, and I get Lincoln's point. 
on Stanford. Like, Colorado's a good school. You're not an Ivy League school. Let's cut it out. Like, clearly it was okay back 30 years ago when you're in the Big 12, or at the time the Big 8. Like, I'm, I'm all for academics, but don't, I mean, freaking just chop down your coach. He's got no chance. You're going to lose guys on the portal? You can't take any? <laughs> it's it's wild. I'm sure they're going to fix it. Just like they just hired a coach that they don't have mo- the money to pay. Well, that said, <laughs> let's give our opinion on Dion on the way back. I see some UNLV fans who are lamenting the fact that they didn't get Dion. I don't think it's a great hire. I, mean, I want to give him a chance. I hate what he had to say yesterday. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Adam Hill LVRJ or tweet the show at Cofield and Co. Go ahead and jump in that portal and do whatever you're going to get because the more you jump in, the more room you make. Because we bring kids that are smart. Say that smart. Smart. Tough. Tough. You're listening to Cofield and Company live at Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks here on a Monday. We're getting ready for Monday night football. Uh, we'll get to the big news of Raiders Week 15 that I think sucks being flexed out, so we'll get to that. Um, I want to give the guy a chance, but speaking of sucks, I did not like what I saw from Deion Sanders yesterday. So let, let's talk about the front end first, though. Colorado trying to make a commitment. You just mentioned they don't have the money, but whatever they're trying to do to put together the Compensation package, okay, there's a commitment there. I would hope Dion addressed with them, like, I'm going into the portal, so this stuff you've been doing the last couple of years of not admitting guys or at least moving their credits over from other schools, that's got to stop. Specifically, I'm sure he said, here's my son, a top-notch quarterback. He's coming. Is he getting into school? My God, if you found well, out, he, like... He announced it at the Yeah, that's <laughs> that, the team, Well, that so. was one of the first things I thought of him, like, Okay, they better have all the uh, the eyes dotted and T's crossed. His kid better, you know, Jackson State credits better come over because they can also get, you know, their top cornerback recruit who was the number one recruit in the country a couple of years ago. I'm sure he's interested. Yeah. So I hope they have all that set up. What What do you think? I would hope they did. Right now, but what I, do you What do you think of the hire in general? I mean, I think it's 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 going to work in modern football. It's going to work if if it's allowed to. Again, that's that's a big thing. So work is what killing it in the transfer portal, and at least putting a, a representative team on the field. Yeah, I I, I think it's going to be nothing but five stars all over the field. I don't know like, if that's going to be the case. It's, and, and Under Armour will pay how much you need? Would, oh, well, this 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 running back needs thirty two million. All right, cool. This one needs fifty. Cool, got that. Whatever player they want, they're getting. I mean, unless unless they're competing with Nike money somewhere else, like they're going to pay what it takes. I. I fell into a rabbit hole last night uh, watching the the speech. So so here goes down a couple roads. First of all, Dion films everything, which is smart. He's got a social media company. But it is not smart, I guess, when you – or maybe it works for kids. I don't know. When you walk in, you're like, hey, this isn't a publicity thing. This is about the cameras. And then there's a, a, like 12 film people right. watching, you know, filming his speech. Um, 
it, it's very weird. But I went back and watched like the the Under Armour CEO speaking to the Jackson State players, and basically like, Man, whatever you need, I got you. We're we're paying for all this, and we make you know billions and billions of dollars. And Dion is very much responsible for all of my money. So let's go. So I, th- I think Under Armour is just an, an open book at this point. Right. Like, here's a checkbook. So we'll pay whatever it takes. So I think that's going that's going to happen if, again if the school is going to allow which you think they would. If they're going to bring Dion in, like this seems like a commitment to doing that. Now, did Dion himself go in and start working on some of these issues that they've had, or did he just think, "Hey, I'm going to school and I'm going to take whatever players I want to," and not know that there's this history of not letting players in and not letting credits transfer? I, I don't know. And just going right public with it to fight publicly with the school. Maybe. I mean, he can do it. He has the power to do it. Sure. I mean, I think quickly they're going to be like, "What did we just do? You hired Dion Sanders." Yeah. Like this is not going to be. You know, behind closed doors all the time. He he will freaking blast you if he needs to. No, he, he doesn't care. Steve, he put when when the AD walked him and his family around campus and around the facilities. It's all on. It's all. It's all documentary. It's all out there. I watched it. It like everything's out there. And you like it, or do you think there's room for disaster in this? I think there's room for disaster. I mean, look, I don't. I think most of it is really good for. Generating content, like kids. Hey, kids. Guess what? You're on a reality show, and that's what that could be helpful for your career. And this is going to be good. Uh, I, I, I think the stop. speech yesterday probably shouldn't have been out there. The speech with him talking to the current players. Yeah, I thought it was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. It was infantile. It lacked leadership. It was immature. It was typical Dion. Like I don't care about these kids. I don't know how you walk into a program and do this. Go ahead and jump in the portal. And do whatever you're gonna get, because the more you jump in, the more room you make. Because we bring kids that are smart. Say that smart, smart, tough. tough. Yeah, I wouldn't have been there chanting with them. That's like one of the first introductions, and you have it on video, basically telling us go into the portal. Listen, from what we heard, Chris Beard in his like ten days as UNLV ruler, his first meeting, right? Remember that? Yeah. We had heard like he walked in with the the current team, and he's like. You know, if you don't like it, leave. Like, this is what we're going to do. These are the new things we're going to do. But that's, you know, it's a 12-player roster. Do you know how much you could decimate your team one year to the next? Like, dude, no. you might need a bunch of these players. And the other thing is, from it's disrespectful to kids who just poured their hearts out and got their ass kicked at Colorado. If I'm a parent, I'm like, yeah, you're leaving. Unless I have, I guess... I guess unless I have full belief that my kid has no chance to get a scholarship elsewhere, then I, get, I would tell him, well, you're going to have to tough it out. Yeah. But if you believe your kid, who was highly recruited, it can go somewhere else, I'd be out the door like that second. I don't need you coming in telling my kid that all of us suck, basically. Yeah, it was my honest belief. He... Like, did you examine the roster at all? Was there any look at the roster of who you want to keep no. and who you don't? It's my honest belief that he wants zero. Well, I think that might work at Jackson State, but in the Pac-12... Like, dude, you may be completely embarrassed next year. When you, what are you going to replace? I mean, they, remember the first team that UNLV played this year was Idaho State, and they were bad, and they looked bad. And by the way, the coach lasted one year. They went one in ten. He got a an assistance job at Arizona State, an offer, and he's like, "I'm out." Well, going into that game, it was the whole season, but going into that game, Idaho State, you know, the talk was about a new roster. They had they had like fifty two new guys. That's Idaho State. Yeah. You're going to find 50 or I – mean, I, I don't think it's going to get to that point. But, man, when I saw that, I was like, 
that is really immature and show off stuff from Deion Sanders. I'm like, I don't, I don't like this at all. Walking in and telling the whole team, you know, we're going to get tougher, and if you don't like it, go in the portal. Okay, it's, it's, not, it's not just a team. It's, it, it's you know, he started at one point. I watched the entire thing, and at one point he started uh, asking for questions, which almost it was almost like a. I saw some people say, "Hey, that was very cool of him to take questions." What? Uh, and it was almost. It was almost like an intimidation of like, who's got a question? Let's go. Questions Let's go. from who? The players? Yeah. And uh, one yeah, of the f- yeah, I'd be like, Coach, I got questions. Can you yeah. turn the cameras off? Yeah. By yeah. the way, did I see a story? Was I don't even know. Was Will Compton there or something? Was he? I, I don't. I, don't I saw know. him making some comment about. So I'll, I'll look it up. No, uh, but like one of the first questions is like, Hey, do you know if any of the position coaches are staying? Nope. <laughs> did you have you? Do you know who they are yet? Have you talked to them? Have you interviewed them at all? Nope. Okay. So that's another one. If you can't, like, kids go to schools <laughs> right. because they're recruited oftentimes no, I'm primarily you, by the position coach. I watched the entire like, – How about a soft landing, bro? I watched, like, two hours of this content last night of his tour of the campus, of everything. Uh, by the way, his farewell speech to Jackson State, right there, of, like, hey, guys, I'm out. Right there to watch, and so I think there's a lot of you know a lot of positive about the transparency, but at the same time, like these are moments where I think some of the authenticity might be missing. If if you're if you're go right in there and say, hey, this is not about publicity or cameras. This is about you know this program. Is it because you're making content out of all of it? I I, I love it. I enjoy the content. I wish every team did this, but at the same time, I don't know if you can say this is not about the content and the cameras if the cameras and content are everywhere. Cofield and Company is broadcasting live at Twin Peaks and Henderson for Monday Night Football. Join us every Monday from 2 to 5 p.m. Harkless and Gilbert bring it up. Gilbert front court dribbling through traffic. A lot of Maloka for the slam dunk. Great job by Keyshawn Gilbert to break that press, but an even better job to be able to draw the big out of the paint, throw the lob up top to David Mwoka. Hanging at Twin Peaks for Monday Night Football, it's Cofield and Company. Rocking Christmas tree and some uh, running Rebel highlights there. David Mwoka with a very nice night, workmanlike. Big factor in the Rebels' defense on the back end. You know, I wanted to do a little running Rebels talk here. We'll get to it eventually. Folks, there's a select group you should listen to on the UNLV football head coaching search. You got to stop. On social media, who are you listening to? We keep getting these names that are emerging as leaders. And if you follow me on Twitter, I've been telling people, like, they didn't even talk to this person. That person's not a candidate. And today we get Ed Orgeron mentioned. I don't even know how it got out there or what the reporter said, because I think it could be misrepresented what he said. Now I'm getting, I'm getting multiple tweets of, this is turning into another disaster. What are you talking about? UNLV has leaked nothing about any candidates it's interested in or has spoken to. The same way Desiree Reed Francois operated the Altsberger search and the Arroyo search. You heard nothing about either one of them, barely, like before, maybe that they were a candidate in the last second, but both virtually came from out of nowhere. It was quiet. And I'm not saying Harper is a DRF protege. Far from it. But 
They've been quiet. You know why they've been quiet? And, you know, in the end, Tina Kunzer Murphy did a couple of decent things, right? And she actually did hire Chris Beard. It just didn't work out. But they're not doing that nonsense where there was a new leak every three days. Because that's crap. That means your admin is in trouble. That the school is not operating the way it should operate. There's nothing coming from UNLV. And we've got these social media influencers who keep throwing out names as leaders. And many of them have not been in the mix, were not on the list, haven't been spoken to. I just saw someone write, Adam, the RJ wrote an article about how Ed Orgeron and Chris Peterson are leading candidates. Can you, where's the article? Well, I can, I can tell you uh, the exact I, wording. I asked, for, I asked for a link here, and I'm like, where, where is it? Did it say that? Or is no. it just on a possibility list? Which, frankly, mean nothing. Right. It's, an, it's on a possibility list. It says, uh, might be connected. Might be connected. Which, and, and to, to your point, I mean, one of the things about not putting information out, not sharing information with people that are covering the search and are going to write things is now it's going to be the other side. If you're not going to confirm and you're not going to talk about it, it's going to be agents and coaches and saying hey look i'm in i'm in i talked to this person i I interviewed and if you go to the school and say did you no comment could be no comment they could be fibbing um but in a lot of cases there is a lot of truth in they're not in the mix and they never were in the mix please stop sending over nick rolovich (laughs) that one's silly but i mean people are people are reading social media influencers well they also they also and, and and then skewing names that are thrown out there by employed media and then they come up with stuff like this starting to sound a lot like groundhog's day who's the equivalent to menzies for football it never seems to end i'm like what 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 are you talking what is happening so i'll say this the i'm trying to find the exact wording um but the the review journal story had a list of candidates who could potentially be in the mix who basically were people whose agents and themselves had said they're in the mix or talked to the UNLV. Uh, that's out there. And I said, as I said, it said Orgeron might be connected to the search. Might be. A random person on Twitter posted the story with the comment, Ed Orgeron and Chris Peterson are the front runners for the UNLV football head coaching opening. And then this blog, Awful Announcing, Posted, wow, the Review Journal's reported frontrunners are now not part of the mix. Like, yeah. what? Awful announcing is awful. It has sucked for a long time. And it, it, it's, its mission, I think, is to critique the media. It's horrific. It does sometimes. Yeah, you're critiquing a tweeter. Like your problem is with a tweeter. Why didn't you say, I'm not even going to say the person's name, the, the tweeter, but, you know... Whatever, whatever this person's name is, Jimmy Jiminy Cricket eighty two, whatever, uh, was incorrect on this. Why isn't that the post? Because that's who wrote it. It's just, it's wild. It's also funny. People just refuse to like just Google search, do some research. I'm not trying to be mean. Someone just wrote. Serious question, why did Orgeron get run out of LSU so quickly after winning a national title? I will send you the link to a to like Serious question, it's not that hard to find. A 100-inch story, here you go. But this is where we are now. 
And I'm not mad at, like, I think the interest is awesome. The fact that people care is great. But what's wrong with just sitting back when they make the hire after eight or nine days, they have all the contract stuff done. What is wrong with that? And no leaks. I think it's great. Yeah. I mean, mean, you suggested earlier that, you like, schools should want to have, you know, have it out there that, you know, big names, we're going to shoot after, you know, go after big names. Yeah. I mean, I guess. Yeah, I, except, I, think, but I, I think it sets up. I think it sets up false expectations, and then fans, when you know, in their mind, because they also don't know who any of these, they really don't know who the candidates are. Like every candidate who's got a track record, like I've seen Gary Patterson ripped. It's like okay. Well, and I, I can tell you that I talked to somebody who I don't like this person. Like based on what I talked to somebody who played for him when the story came out and said, "Would that be a good hire?" And the response was, "Of course it would." But he's too good for it. So I was like, okay, well, I mean, that's that tells me that no, they're no, probably I, communicated, and maybe that's true. That, it would be a freaking coup. Yeah. Um, if he so, doesn't believe that he can get a Power 5 job. I, I never thought he was retiring. I mean, come on. And he jumped right in with Texas, and he's been a consultant with Texas. So he's got a coach yeah. somewhere. Yeah, I would think so. I no, I don't have any happen. problem with him. Try. Try. To, to your point, I, I think that they're – and look, it's biased as a media member. Um, I do think that school that a school in this situation should cooperate with the local media that covers them. And you don't have to tell them what you're thinking or what you're doing, but when they come to you and say, is this person a candidate? Have you talked to them? You can say yes or no off the record or on background. Not that hard. And you're not leading them anywhere. You're just confirming or denying off background and not getting quoted and not letting this st- kind of stuff happen, which does change how this – because I do think it's a different era of social media. These things are going to happen. They're going to blow up. No matter what, no matter what you, you do. could be in front of the narrative a little bit. And like, what would you? So do you? Do you like to your point, because I think in an ideal world, you announce that you're moving on from your coach, you go silent for two weeks and make your decision, and you announce who the person is. Yeah. But do you really want to be out of the public eye and nobody cares about you for two weeks? I mean, it is it, it is exactly what they did with Arroyo and Altsberger. Yeah. But they, and then Kruger, happened, say Kruger was, happened quickly because of the timing. Yeah. And, and and it was it was obvious it was right there, so it's different. But I like I, I think that there should be, like, you know, you don't have to respond to every every person's tweet or DM. But people that are are legitimately covering a search, there's a way to cooperate. What if there's a lack of people who legitimately covered the program? I mean, there's not in this case, but uh, but you know, you sorry. understand the way people you understand the way people view it. If you're not around all the time, then you didn't cover them. Sure. Well, you have which which is another another thing they've got to get over. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. I think a lot of folks at UNLV understand that, but there there have been some others who were like, "Well, you know, this person's coming in now. I mean, they don't where where have they been in the last ten weeks?" And you sure. need to explain it to them, like, "Hey, things have changed. There's there's budgets in in media, and there's a lot of stuff to cover now in town." Sure. And you you're not going to help it by not cooperating. You're only going to hurt it. I think it's going to turn out fine. I think, I think they're going to land a name that's going to make a lot of people happy. It's not going to make everyone happy. That's impossible. Uh, oh, someone's always going to complain. You know, anyone who had their mindset on Deion Sanders, I mean, they're, they're going to be mad. Right? Sure. But I also think they're idiots. Based on what Deion did yesterday, I, I don't know that's, that's going to work. Well, I do think what Deion did at Colorado would 100% work here. Shaky stuff, man. Shaky stuff. Four o'clock hours on the way.